Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Percat. You are listening to Inside Supercars. All the racing I've done, supercars and, uh, you know, all the GT and drifting and all that kind of stuff, I think it all helps. A lot of seat time and having some good times racing, it's, it's a lot of fun. As long as we don't allow some of the lunatics to um, get the keys, then uh, it'll continue to be at the, um, at the forefront uh, through hard work and diligence, particularly on the part of the team owners and investment by them. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. And welcome again to Inside Supercars with uh, Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. Evening. Good evening, Tony. Uh, an interesting weekend, to say the very least, at Darwin last weekend. But DJR Team Penske, it's good we've got Ryan Story coming on the show because we can certainly talk about how that team has just clicked this year. It was a strong racing weekend. Um, some very interesting qualifying results with Rick Kelly getting a pole on Saturday. But uh, again, it was that same thing that we've been seeing the pattern all year. Strong results from Penske's with Triple Eight very close behind. Um, PRA some distance, although their three drivers are still up there in the top ten in the points, as are the three of Triple Eight and DJ's now sitting one two in the championship. Yes, they are, and uh, it's going to be. Well, as I said, I think last week on the show, Hidden Valley seems to be a litmus test for how the championship pans out. And I, I went back through the records there over the weekend and uh, I feel like I was vindicated somewhat. So perhaps it is uh, going to shore up the fact that it's going to be a DJR Team Penske car that takes the championship. And interestingly enough, uh, up until about, what, a year ago, two years ago maybe, that it was only... DJR Team Penske that had been able to beat the might of Triple Eight, um, so uh, perhaps, perhaps we're going to see uh, a new era. I doubt it. I think this series is way too close to have eras like we just came out of with Triple Eight. One of the things that uh, quite often, having been in the series uh, since before they were called V8 Supercars was that HRT, of course, had as strong, if not even slightly stronger period when they dominated from the late 90s through to about 2002 or three, when uh, Stone Brothers had a couple of years. But interesting, the uh, weekend showed up some good things. Moffat was the stronger of the two GRM cars. Didn't get the results, unfortunately. Had some unfortunate uh, um, punctures and, and bent steering, things like that, but showed great speed. Garth wasn't anywhere near the results, really. Um, Scott Pye out-qualified again and out-raced his uh, more, uh, well, credential. Of course, uh, James Courtney is a former champion, but but we had good results again from Dave Reynolds with a pair of top 10 qualifying and top 10 race results. Once again, showing strongly that they're a team that uh, well and truly are in there. I was going to say all those tips you gave him last week worked to the the, uh, perfect outcome. Yes, indeed. Um, so that was a good weekend of racing. Unfortunately, uh, Sunday night was rather soured by um, some, I consider, rank stupidity by somebody who has been there and done it and is an extraordinary motor racing uh, history in Robbie Gordon. But what a brain fade. Um, he, uh, whether he was invited by some uh, people who should have known better, but to be doing burnouts in a street such as Mitchell, which is 
on a Sunday night, a very busy street, and then uh, supposedly some security guards said, oh, no, yeah, you can go right ahead and do it. You know, he's uh, now been uh, banned for life from driving in, uh, or banned for 12 months, driving in the Northern Territory. So there were some repercussions, and I understand cams have come out now. Yep, CAMS have had uh, their go of saying that they're not going to support him having a, a racing licence, or a, sorry, a racing competition visa to come to Australia. So uh, it has been a costly move for Gordon. Some may say that uh, the super trucks have, you know, their, their flavour, their three years of uh, their three years of being on the track now is probably time to move on to the next uh, gimmick, if you like, to support the racing. Anyway, so. Uh... It, it, I don't think it, it tarnished greatly. It was probably a bigger event in Darwin and the news tonight or last night than it has anywhere else. But um, the other big news today was that the Grand Prix, uh, the tentative date has been set for 2018. And of course, the very first time that the uh, supercars will race for points around Albert Park, and that's March 22 to 25. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out with um, Adelaide and its start date. Yeah, indeed, and this could uh, could have some ramifications there because it's going to move the season uh, once again and move the goalposts. Could supercars decide to put clips on after the Grand Prix in their ever-ongoing battle to shorten the season? Yeah, anyway, so it's been a very busy weekend um, and uh, there's plenty more to talk today about and the uh, major talking point will be Ryan's story. Brian is a team principal and a shareholder in DJR Team Penske, and we're going to come back after the break to find out all about what it takes to be involved in leading Team Penske DJR. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh... Thanks, thanks everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. And welcome again to Inside Supercars. We have the privilege and pleasure today of having Ryan Story join us. Ryan is both a team principal and a shareholder in DJR Team Penske. Welcome on board. Hi, Tony. Thanks very much for having me. Appreciate it. Last weekend played out pretty well how many people, including myself, thought it would play out. That your two plus the two and certainly three of the Triple Eight cars were all going to be very close in their amongst it. Now, as it turned out, your cars, you know, had an edge with Scotty getting a pole by quite a margin on Sunday. But, you know, it was largely as you'd foresee it to be. Now, I don't for one second believe that you had an expectation that the, the midpoint of the season you're going to be one two in the championship. But do you now move your expectations for the rest of this season? I, th- I, th- I think so in some respects. I mean, we'll, we'll be fighting for, for top five in Townsville, but but some tracks that naturally suit uh, the strengths of our car that are, that are forthcoming, we'll, we'll be going there hoping hoping to be able to come away with a trophy of some kind. And it doesn't hoping and hope, hoping to come away with the trophy and 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 expecting it to be fait accompli are two very separate things, Tony. As you well know, you've been around a long time. But the the the, the 
that the edge for us and, and, and the expectations have definitely lifted. And by, by being able to back up some of the results that we've had at different tracks, at different rounds, of course, has meant that, uh, that the pace that we have and, and our ability to get results is real. We just have to keep improving some of our back end, uh, some of our back end processes, and, and some of the other things that we do to ensure that we can maintain uh, this level of competitiveness. We can't take for granted the ability of, of, of our competitors to bounce back. ProDrive had a pretty rough weekend in Darwin, but, but Chaz in particular has been pretty quick almost everywhere we've gone, and, and he's, he's won a race along the way as well. The two BJR cars in particular were very quick this weekend com- compared to where they've been recovering from some pretty big repair bills over the past uh, couple of events too. So there's always there's all, you always when you're at the front there's only one way you can go and you're always looking in your rear vision mirror. But uh, I, I, I wasn't convinced we were going to come away with a trophy in that Sunday race. It, it, re- it required some good pitch strategy and and putting our speed down in the right way. But uh, Jamie was right there with us and we dropped a couple of seconds in pit lane to them and. And if, if that had gone in a slightly different direction, we, we could well have come out behind them. So nothing's, no, nothing's quite at, uh, at full employment yet. There's a lot of areas we can continue to improve, and the same can be said of every other team out there. So if we, if we think for one minute we can rest on our laurels, uh, we're, we're going to trip over ourselves real quick. Not asking you to forecast any changes of personnel or structure, but can you see some things that you're going to need to change as the season keeps on evolving? Well, I think uh, I think that you have to continue to look at ways to improve yourself uh, and, and improve processes and, and and always through, I suppose, the, the, the course of the last six months, we started the year um, we started the year with, with pretty a pretty healthy degree of continuity when it when it came to our staff, our staff, uh, our key staff in the in, in our key positions. We we added to our headcount in a couple of areas where we thought we were a bit lacking. We've got uh, just under yeah, just under 35 full-time staff at the race team there now, which is a few more than what we had last year. And that was all about that that review process where you you try and understand where where we could be a little bit better. Now look, if you look at the supercars, uh, if you look at the supercars landscape, landscape in years gone by, you could say the epicenter was in southeast Queensland based on the number of teams up here, but there are far more teams based in Victoria these days than are in Queensland. So it means that where you may want to employ a certain person to perform a certain role, um, those qualified are either working for a team down south or or, or somewhere in and around the, around the, uh, that part of the world. So recruitment is something that uh, that continues to be a challenge for for a lot of supercars teams and it's led to it's led to us changing our approach a little bit and 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 taking on more young young people and grooming them up in the Penske way so to speak and investing investing in those people for the long term and and that's something we're going to continue to do but for us now it's a it it does give us an opportunity to review whether some of the changes that we've made into this year have worked and if you look at the results board you'd say that they have but how how do we continue to to get our structure right at the back end to ensure that we can maintain this level of competitiveness and and it's something that I have to think about all the time and look there there are people who have worked who have worked for Dick at the team for over 20 years some 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 as long as 30 and if you look at a guy like like Ludo Lacroix he's he's forgotten more about ra- motor racing than I know so I've got a really good uh, a really good uh, uh, I suppose um, experience catalogue 
in some of those people in which to turn to and, and seek their opinion and advice on in terms of the direction that we're taking. And that's before I pick up the phone and uh, and ring North America. So we keep thinking about what we can do to keep getting better and, and keep evolving, and, and that's, that's really where we are right now. Do you import from Penske US um, any... Uh... Uh, systems and methods and technologies that you know work in the team day to day. Well, I'd, I'd love to say that we had a 24/7 operating Skunks Works in uh, Mooresville, North Carolina, focusing wholly on our supercars program. But sadly, that's not the case. There's there's 400 odd people in Mooresville, and 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 obviously they they split themselves among the the NASCAR and the IndyCar disciplines, and it would be. It would be fair to say that the process side of things is where we benefit from in terms of how they how they go about their day to day, as opposed to being able to benefit from some of the technologies because they don't they don't quite uh, they don't quite replicate themselves across to to supercars racing. But uh, certainly the the systems and processes is where we've really benefited and continue to benefit. It's 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 something that that in terms of sheer scale. Uh, you, you can't. You can't. Uh, we 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 couldn't find on our own, or, or certainly find the capacity to develop on our own uh, some of the some of the processes and, and and systems when it comes to engineering and when it comes to even even outside of engineering, even even on a business sense sense HR and uh, and some of those other things and financial systems and things. We couldn't do that on our own as a, a 35. Uh, person operation as opposed to the depth and strength that comes with a 400 person operation over there. Yeah, I know that, Ryan, because I spent 25 years in advertising agencies and in, in the 80s and 90s, or no, 70s and 80s when I was working at Young and Rubicum, um, which, you know, at that stage it was, you know, the largest uh, agency group in the world. And I, I had this sort of common theme that when I was working in smaller agency groups, there must be a better way until I finally got the Y&R and I could access uh, a strategy floor at Y&R um, in New York in Madison Avenue um, where they had the structures in place, the strategy papers, the documents, the way in which I could go about, you know, on a regular basis making advertising that worked properly and met strategies. So I, uh, that's what I understand full well when you're talking about what you've been able to access through uh, uh, Penske US. So Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're dead on there. I mean, it's not a case of it's not a case of you know the IndyCar team can't ring us up and say, hey, we've just we've just gone out and uh, we've just raced at Indianapolis and we found this setup worked for us. How about you put that in your V8 yeah. supercar? Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. only if only it was that simple. But uh, but certainly you're absolutely right. It's those the systems and processes. And I know that sounds very broad and generic, but it is. It it, it applies across almost all facets of the business. Um, you had some hiccups, and we'll call them hiccups, um, early in the year, mainly involving Scott and Ludo, Scotty McLaughlin and Ludo, um, um, and they were about uh, infringements and penalties as a result of those infringements. Were they just some things that were teasing things within the team? Well, absolutely, and it's a matter of look. If you look at if you look on the other side of the garage, there you've got Phil Keed and Fabian Coulthard. Who have been together long enough now that they almost finish each other's sentences. They know how to work with each other. They are, well, well, sim- simply enough, they can understand each other on the radio when things get a little bit complicated too. But but they know how each other works. Ludo's got tremendous experience. He's he's worked. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people don't actually don't actually have a a, a full comprehension of his resume. 
Um, again, through what I alluded to before, there's there's not much I don't know about the man, but between engineering a car that won the DTM uh, in 2001 or 2002 or somewhere somewhere around there, um, and also winning championships in other touring car touring car series uh, through uh, through the late 80s and, and 90s in in Europe, you've got a tremendous amount of experience, and and, and Scotty Mack. Is is still he he's still he's still developing as a race driver and, and and in his approach. But you put the two of them together, you throw in the Frenglish, as it were, you throw in another a whole new race team for both parties, and of course you're going to come into some teething problems. And and part of it's my role to to help facilitate um, the fixes to some of these things and and making sure that that we're getting the most out of all of all of the assets we have at hand and 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 some simple things. So for example, uh, what came out of of the penalty at Adelaide is that we've got uh, Richard Harris, who who collected the team's trophy uh, on Sunday for us uh, at Darwin. He's he's the data engineer and performance engineer for Car 17. He's yep. he's uh, originally from the UK. Is Richard? He's he's worked for a couple of teams in supercars. He's got quite a bit of experience, and and he 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 in in the past was actually a, a race engineer himself. So when 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 it gets to when it gets to the complicated. Where some of the communication and language might be a bit complicated, say under under a safety car, Richard will be the one talking to Scotty over the radio. So, again, it's just a matter of ensuring that we're putting in place the best systems and structure to 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 eliminate those sorts of errors. And I, I, I talk a lot about, and, and Scotty Mack talks a lot about the muscle memory of winning that Triple Eight have. I mean, they they they've won so much over over time and, and have been so incredibly successful that they know what to do. We, we, we've only we've only we've only just found our feet in terms of being able to competitive, competitively fight up front, despite the fact that, that that the individuals within our group have invariably had points within their their time in the series where they've been up there. As a whole, we have not uh, we have not uh, managed that in the past. So we, we've 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 come across and encountered different uh, different issues that we've not had before. I mean, for example, end of race procedures. Doing burnouts and and going to podiums and prior to this year they, they, we didn't know a lot of that. So when yeah. you take all those things into account, what would be a what would be a sad indictment on on us is if we were making those same mistakes and missteps twice. Sure. Fortunately, that hasn't been the case, and I think that shows that that we're we're adept and flexible enough in 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 recognising when we make mistakes and and putting our collective heads together to ensure we don't do them again. For every team, there's the challenge of going to a new track that may not be, as in this case, going from Darwin to Downsville, of a different structure, different ways, surfaces, temperatures, all those sorts of things. The biggest challenge, though, that you and your particular group of people working towards an aim of a championship um, this year, what are the biggest ones you've got, do you think? Uh, I think. In, are you talking in terms of tracks we've got to visit between now and the end of the we year, where we're seeing the tracks? The challenge of you know going through the end of the year to be in Newcastle and to get the result that you know it, it would seem likely, but obviously doesn't happen just as a matter of course. You've got to actually work towards that. Um, and what do you think are going to be those challenges to get there? Not the individual tracks as such. Well, I think a big part of it is, is having the foresight to to recognise where we where we might come undone and, and and areas of. So, for example, with us, we've been thinking a little bit about the enduros in in recent times, as a consequence of seeing the seeing how 
you know, how our car's gone on the new tyre, for example, and I think that uh, I think that that, that we're going to see something there shortly in terms of in terms of what the series will, will do in response to that. But but along the way too, how will some of the developments that we've introduced work on different tracks later on in the year, and and how will we ensure that we have a have a strong reliability run at, at the longer events too. I mean, these are things that we're constantly constantly working on, and the the tight turnaround between events does make does make things a little bit difficult. But we have the flexibility of 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 having a, a little bit of time, particularly when the cars are still on their way back from say a Darwin. Our staff can come back into the workshop once uh, once they've had a bit of a rest and 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 dedicate a little bit of bit of time to thinking about bigger picture and. And to seeing challenges ahead, and and thinking about how we can best adapt to them, we're no different to anyone else uh, when it comes to that approach. You, you, and, and and we know too from from the last couple of years where we've been on the back foot, you still need to keep one eye uh, looking forward, and and that's that's no different to to how we're operating right now. There's a couple of challenges ahead for us that that we are particularly conscious of, and and some question marks that we have. Uh, over competitiveness at certain venues, based on Triple Eight, and well, compared to, against Triple Eight in particular, who, who, who we know will be strong everywhere we go. Uh, but for us, it's the ability to adapt if things aren't quite where we where we would hope for them to be when we initially roll out of the truck. And uh, and some of those some of those areas, I think, are areas we can continue to develop and, and get better at. When you look at, in fact. Um Triple Eight success at Bathurst. It's almost in the Penske class the, the success there. I mean, Roland has a real, you know, focus of why he came to the series. That was about Bathurst and that race, um, and and obviously that is a, a real challenge because of you know one day three hundred points. You know, it, it's a changer. It is. It is. And and those guys have. If you, if you talk about again muscle memory and systems and processes. Those guys know how to prosecute those long races effectively, and and the proof is in the pudding. Look how many look how many trophies they've got. I mean, we're we're at a point now where we've where where our trophy our trophy racks very fortunately, of course, at our shop are, are starting to fill up. But we're we're talking about racks. They're talking about cabinets. Yeah. So the comparison the comparison there is huge, and and they go to those races with an expectation not only of being competitive, but but that but that they can walk away with some silverware. We're not at that level yet, and it will take us a long time to get to that level. But but for us going to Bathurst, the challenge for us is ensuring that we get the calls right, and 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 we and we have well, we have fast cars. We get the calls right, and that we're quick enough on our feet to react. And we had a good run there last year. We took a big risk, uh, big risk, hoping for a late safety car, and 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 we could have uh, we could have ended up with a with a better result than what we what we had, but. Roger, Roger being on the ground there that day was was very clear. He said, "Look, this race is like the this is the this is your Indianapolis 500, and at the Indy 500, I count the wins, and it's the same at Bathurst. A win at Bathurst is everything. We have to always keep in mind the bigger picture of the championship, and if 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 there if we have to consolidate our position, uh, thinking about the championship, we will. But let me tell you, if there's a Bathurst win on the taking." We will be pushing for that, and uh, and we'll almost throw caution into the wind. It's just one of those races where you have to take that mentality to it. But like I said, if we're not 
if we're not if we're not in that position, we'll be thinking about consolidating. But but other than that, if there if there's an opportunity to win a race like that, you you take it every time. Yes, indeed. Um, just a couple of things maybe we could uh, end up with um, broader picture things. First one, the calendar of the AGPs just come out um, today, uh, March twenty two twenty five. Um, they pushed their date back a, a week earlier. Um, and now, of course, we'll be a few months away before the supercar calendar comes out. But, you know, if it was to be where Adelaide wasn't the opening round, where does that fit with you? Well, I think, look, I think it's, I think it's, it would be, uh, I'm, I'm heavily biased as a South Australian, of course, but, uh, yeah. but, but setting, setting a calendar is a really tough ask. And, uh, and the way in which it's, uh, the way in which it's determined is obviously the, the guys who work at supercars have to have to negotiate and work with some of the some of the track owners in the event that it's the the uh, in, in in events that supercars promotes and then then with uh, with the promoters themselves like the uh, South Australian government. But it's not an easy task. And but once they get the bulk of that work done, it goes through the commission and then eventually gets rubber stamped by the board and CAMS and what have you. So it goes through quite a few layers before. Before it's released publicly, and it's not a trick. It's not an easy thing to do by any means. But fortunately, quite a few people who who have an understanding of logistics and 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 how 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 it actually impacts and affects the race race teams themselves uh, get to weigh in on it. But Coopsal is a bit of a jewel in the crown. Well, sorry, we have to call the Adelaide 500 these days. Yeah. It's a bit of a jewel in the crown because because you see the whole whole city of Adelaide get behind the event. But I think one thing that's been uh, put put a, I suppose taken a little bit of the little bit of the sheen sheen off it in, in in recent years has been that South Australia have had so many events in and around the yeah, race yeah. that, uh, that that's yeah. made it a bit tricky. So I think yeah. if if I think that's it, that's something that, that that would be ideal to see addressed. We, we like to see bumper crowds. I'd love to see I'd love to see another Adelaide 500 crowd like 2013 where they have to lock the gates because they physically can't. For various regu- rules and regulations, to let a single person, a single additional person, into the track. I'd love to have I'd love to have that to take place again. But uh, look, we'll wait and see what the calendar look, looks like when it comes out. It doesn't matter what the first race is, uh, Tony. We'll be there. Right. I mean, just thinking of that in South Australia, you being a proud South Australian, I know from uh, my own research and writings of the enormous part role that uh, the South Australian Motorsport Board played in teaching Formula One back in the 80s how to go about race, motor racing at a level that they set the bar on. And uh, when Eccleston saw that first year how it was done, realised that that would never be the same again anywhere in the world. Most Australians don't know that story. It's a fantastic one. You know, it is, and, and, and I, I, I'm, I know a little bit about it from... Uh, from being a young lad and basically absorbing everything I could get my hands on uh, when it came to reading, and the internet makes life a bit easier these days. In that, you, in, in that, uh, in that your listeners, your listeners today can can jump on Google and and, and read quite a bit about that. But uh, but yeah, the the Adelaide, the Adelaide uh, Formula One Grand Prix was a hell of a event in its time, and it really did raise the bar. I, I think it, I think. Uh, what it also this is a this is a, something with a little bit of little bit of controversy associated with it, but uh, it, it did sadden me when the South Australian Motorsport Board was wound up a couple of years ago, yeah. uh, with responsibility of the race falling to a different uh, different government department. That was an, that was that was an end of an area in a lot of ways. Yeah. There was some 
tremendous people. I mean, you look at someone like Roger Cook. I mean, what Roger Cook has done for motorsport, forget about his incredible business career and, yeah. and what he's done for I South Australia that. as a whole, but, but what yeah. he's done for... What he's done for for motorsport, I think he was on the board of supercars for a little bit too. So he's he'd been around a long time and and had a, made played a tremendous part. And and the motorsport board, its contribution, as you say, not not just to supercars but to the broader world of Formula One, and well, not just to that event too, is uh, is is something that uh, that deserves accolades. I'll just tell you one quick one uh, about uh, when John Bannon took that check over to meet with Eccleston. Um, that uh, Eccleston's first comment, I never use his first name because uh, I, I don't actually like that <laughs> one. And you use people's first name if you like them or they're indeed to you or something like And I don't like what Formula One has become. 800 people put two cars on track is just ridiculous. Anyway, yeah. um, when Bannon went over with that check to meet with Eccleston, um, Eccleston's first comment was, well, we're not coming in 86, we're coming in 85. The race <laughs> supposed to happen in 86 for the first time. And Eccleston said, if you don't take us in 85, we're not coming. So they had a year earlier. Extraordinary. Yeah. John Bannon, I think, had some tremendous foresight in in bringing, bringing the Grand Prix to Adelaide. And he's, oh, a, yeah. he's a man who, uh, I, I mean, I have, a, I have a background in politics that, 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 uh, that isn't necessarily of, 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 uh, of former Premier Bannon's persuasion, but uh, John Bannon was a... Was a Tremendous human being and a great, a great man, and and his post his post uh, post political career saw him as the dean of St Mark's College in Adelaide, and uh, yeah. he had a he had a wonderful impact on a lot of people, a lot of a lot of people in their formative years, and uh, and he's a he's a tremendous human being. He really was. One last subject, uh, Ryan, that uh, I'd like to get your comment on, and you, by all means, um, you may defer on it, but is the subject of the Super 5000. Um, I haven't asked before, but I was going to, but maybe another time, about uh, DJR Team Penske's development plans as in other categories or having some uh, D2 cars or something like that. But what's your feeling as a, one of the competitors in uh, supercars about uh, having a Super 5000 ca- category? Well, I, I, I sort of look at... I, I take the view... More or less of, of of how critical it is for the success of supercars that the undercard, not only at our events but for motorsport, to get to the pinnacle level, that there are that there are opportunities and, and affordable opportunities for not only drivers but also for mechanics and other operators to come on through. And I think the Toyota 86 series is a tremendous example uh, of that. You've got a, a, a cost-effective uh, level of motorsport that's very professionally run. And, uh, and and offers great opportunities for, for young guys to, to get a leg up. You look at Porsche Carrera Cup. I mean, we didn't quite see a huge field field there at, at Darwin, but but typically the, there's a there's a pretty healthy number of Porsches out racing alongside us at, at, at events across the country, and uh, it's another good stepping stone. You look at the Dev Series; it's another great stepping stone. Some great drivers have have made their way into the main game from from that category. I understand precisely. Uh, why supercars looked at other ways of of, of, of introducing uh, really strong, uh, really strong uh, intro categories, or I suppose some uh, some stepping stones that would eventually lead to where we are. And and in the open wheel space, uh, obviously with where Formula Ford Formula Ford's ended up and the the rise of F4 as a as a world category, I suppose it does it does leave 
does leave a little space. I mean, as a kid, I remember, I remember enjoying the Formula Brabham, Formula Holden cars, and the noise they'd make. And and you know, if you could, if you drive one of those things well, you'd, chances are you'd end up uh, doing a half decent job in a in a supercar at the time. But uh, I just I just wonder whether it, whether it's the right uh, right option uh, when there's some other uh, some other noise about. Uh, about Formula Thunder and all these other things, I think it still needs a little bit of work. I take my hat off to to all the people involved in in seeing it through. Supercars obviously uh, weren't weren't prepared to continue with it for a whole bunch of reasons, and and I think those reasons were sound. But uh, full credit to to the guys from Pace and Wilson Security, and 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 of course to Oscar for for doing the work and, and getting that car out there. If it if it if it gets up and running, that'll be fantastic. But uh, but I think there's a there's a there's a fair bit of water to go under the bridge there yet. But I think fundamentally, uh, and, and I certainly don't speak for all the other teams, but uh, but I think the, the the general noise is that we've got some pretty good feeder categories now, and I think that they're fairly well entrenched and set, uh, and that a fair degree of investment and thought needs to go into into bringing in something new and making it be successful. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ryan, for joining us uh, this week. It's been fantastic to learn a, a lot of the intricacies of the DJR Team Penske organisation and your experiences uh, before and after. Um, best of luck for the rest of this year. Um, you have, uh, it sounds like, all the, the bullets to put in the barrel and uh, fire off and, and end up with the ultimate success in the supercar category. <laughs> well, well, thank you very much, uh, Tony and Craig, for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, yes, we've we've had a we've had a great great run year to date, but it's going to take a hell of a lot more hard work to uh, to keep it going, and and we're really looking forward to it. And I'm sure that you're the people who actually put their uh, shoulders to the grindstone and push on forward. Thank you again, and uh, look forward to catching up in person. Terrific. Thanks again. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie Stewart Grand Prix and I just remind myself of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're joined today by Dylan Talabani, who is the race engineer on the number seven Nissan Altima. Evening uh, to Dylan. Hi there, Tony. How are you doing? Pleasure to be here. Well, indeed. Um, uh, we have the luxury of uh, at least remembering the heat of Darwin. We can only reflect on we know it was there once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Craig, and I just want to sort of talk through some of your background. Your accent suggests that you weren't born in Wagga or Wattenabeel, uh, but uh, part far away. No, no, I was born uh, born quite far away. So I'm, I was originally born in, in northern Iraq and um, arrived in the UK, turned up in the UK as a refugee and um, educated in the UK. And that's where I gained my interest in engineering, motor racing, cars in general. 
And your, your first exp- exposure to motorsport was what? Um, I I went with a, one of my best friends from school um, to a few rallies, and we and we both volunteered as marshals. Oh. So we, we we'd camp out on dark, cold nights and, yeah. um, and and watch the rally cars whiz by, and that's that's where I kind of got the buzz really. Was that the national British national championship? Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, we did uh, the, the the national championship, and then we eventually did the RAC rally, which is the British round of the World Rally Championship. Yeah, yeah. And and it was that exposure to the rally cars that interested you in circuit racing, then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I I knew exactly where I wanted to go. I wanted to end up in motor racing. So um, both my parents are university lecturers, so they, you know, it, it was quite natural for me to progress into an engineering degree um, so I uh, went to Coventry to do automotive engineering and um, w- during that time I also um, started working at a, at, a, at a rally team as a mechanic right. so um, I'd actually have to ask to take time off my university degree so I could go to you know other countries in Europe to, 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 to work on the cars. And um, when you say you did a degree, what year did you come out? Um, it was uh, automotive engineering at Coventry. So it's it's mechanical engineering, but it branches off more into car-based technologies. Right, okay. And so when did you get your first full-time job in, in motorsport? Um, well, my degree was a sandwich course, so the third year... You need to um, you need to secure an employment, an industrial placement, uh-huh. and um, and I managed to secure a pretty plum role um, in a, a design company called GeForce. So they were, yeah, they were. Um, it was linked with Panos in the US, yes. and and uh, I, I basically went to the drawing office to design the GeForce Panos um, IRL IndyCar. Oh wow, gee. Mm. Did you get to do any of those uh, IRL races? Uh, no, we didn't go to any of the events, but no. um, but the cars were totally built in the UK. Yep. Totally designed, engineered, built in the UK, and then um, they were sent to the US and assembled there. Right. Okay. Did you work oh. on the Batmobile panels that uh, eventually went to Le Mans? No, no. By the time I'd arrived, the, the Panos uh, Le Mans program had moved to the U.S., so it was just the IndyCar program. Um, but the factory that we were based in was, was actually a um, pretty historic factory. It's where the Thrust SSC um, land speed record vehicle was, was built. That was, that was actually our model, our winter model um, workshop. Oh. And what year did you come to Australia? Um, I came to start of uh, 2008. Oh, okay, all right. Four supercars. Where start with? Um, well, I came um, after contacting uh, Roland Dane um, because uh, in 2006 um, I ran the Honda British Touring Car Team uh, with the driver James Kay. Yep, who's a good friend of mine, and James actually drove for Roland when Roland was running Park Lane. Yeah, um, the Park Lane Racing Team in British Touring Cars. So through James, he got me in touch with Roland and um, and secured the role there. Right. Okay. All right. So you came here and you went and worked at Triple Eight. 
Uh, at the start of 2008, yeah, yeah. So yeah, came to work at Triple Eight Race Engineering. And from there, you progressed through. Yeah. So um, so if, uh, after Triple Eight, um, I moved to Melbourne in 2010 and started working at Holden Racing Team. Yep. Um, so worked um, for three years there alongside Robbie Starr. So we worked with um, I worked with Fabian Coulthard for two years, and then Russell Ingall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, that's certainly where I first met you was uh, at HRT. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> two very Long different personalities now. to work for too, Fabian and Russell. Yes. Yeah. Very different. Very different, but they've, they've both got their qualities, and I, I, I learned I learned a lot from both of those drivers. Um, but Russell was pretty entertaining, and for someone who's been around as long as he has, um, his his enthusiasm and his drive to perform as best as he can was pretty impressive to see. Yeah, I. Uh... I might not share uh, your views. I didn't, never worked with him, but I do remember a Jim Stone line, which I probably shouldn't say on air, so maybe I won't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's... He's coming along the lines of, it's a good thing he could drive for a living, otherwise he wouldn't get a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so, and you joined uh, the Nissan team, um, Kelly Racing. Uh, yes, that was this year. Yeah, that was this year, started this, oh, this year, year started, right. um, uh, with, with Nissan. And, and, um, yeah. A very different organisation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that uh, their facility is probably one of the best in Australia. Um, the, the the team as a whole, um, a, a functioning team. It's it's kind of more like a family, really. Um, it's got a it's got a good bunch of personalities in there, all hungry to improve and to perform as good as they can. And um, a, a lot of self, self-reflection self in the team and openness to um, adapt new ideas uh, that will help them improve and, and operate better. There have been some moments this year that obviously were... Maybe not a friction point, but certainly we're testing times when there was too close a racing between teammates. Has that been a problem, or has that been resolved, or is it just a moment? I mean, from my point of view, um, I can only do what I can in the garage. Um, there's, there's, we have four drivers that are professionals, and they've, that's their career, and that's what they've, you know, they're out there doing their best and doing their job. Um, they're all racing hard. They're all racing competitively for position. And um, the way I see it, you've just got to see a team car as any other competitor. So you've got to respect that competitor, and you you know you should expect that respect back as well. So I think we're at a stage now where um, where we can go around racing hard. Um, and not not sending each other off and not compromising each other's results. So, so yeah, there was a, a bit of friction earlier on, but I think that we are somehow, you know, um, making up a um, an unwritten rule. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, 
the, the car itself um, is pretty different to what you would have worked on previously um, in terms of supercars. Um, have you had a lot to, to try and get your head around the way in which they're set up? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, a VX supercar is quite a unique car where um, it's a heavy touring car with a lot of power and uh, probably doesn't have the, uh, the braking component, you know. It's under braked and under tired, essentially, for me. Uh, and probably under aeroed for, a certain, for uh, some certain tracks. Um, so for an engineer, it's it's a challenging vehicle to extract the best from. But um, I'm here because it's the most competitive championship in the world as a touring car. Yep. And it's as high as you can get up where for an engineer, you can still learn from every single um, area of the car. So... Um, that's what that's what appeals to me. Right. But going from going from the STR car to the Nissan car, um, all the car, all the teams that I've worked at, they all have their differences, but they've all got their strengths and weaknesses. And it's 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 amazing that you can still, you know, um, qualify within the, uh, the top ten or top twenty cars can still qualify within half a second or six tenths. Yes, with such different setup approaches across the teams. Yeah, yeah. Would it have helped you this year that you weren't actually having to adapt to a different tyre on the car? I mean, in, in other words, you weren't having to change your mind about what you were doing last year with the car to suddenly have a different car with the new tyre. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the new tyre is, um, is a challenge, and uh, apart from apart from the, you know the top two teams. I don't think the I don't think everyone's on top of the tire and managed to get it working in the perfect window. Yeah, I'm still learning, but I've had to I've had to com- completely wipe the slate clean because I've gone from the FPR car last year to the Nissan car, which operates very differently. Yeah, and also the tire itself. Yeah, yeah. And and working with Todd, um, he obviously has two roles within the team. One of which is an overall management. Well, and, and then as a driver, he has to take that hand off and put the other one on. Yeah, I mean, my relationship with Todd um, is is really good, and I'm and I'm happy with with how we've progressed in the six months that we've been working together. Um, <clears throat> not only is he open-minded to some of my ideas, um, but he's for a driver that's been around as long as he has, he's is not he's not too stuck in his ways. And um, uh, very open to trying different approaches, um, and uh, you know, it's, it's just really refreshing for me to have a driver that's that's uh, that experienced and has that potential. And that's what appealed to me when I first considered working with him. Is I thought in the last few years he is an untapped potential. He, he's got potential to perform a lot better than he has done. Yeah. Yeah. I first met Todd as a tyre changer at John Faulkner Racing back in the 90s. So I've <laughs> known him a long time, and he was certainly a young man then, but uh, had grown in the job, obviously, yeah. a lot. Um, I don't know how much you know John Kelly, but he's an enormously uh, 
um, achieved farther. I mean, he's just an amazing amount he's done as a businessman. Um, this year, racing-wise, um, uh, you're liking the uh, calendar, the schedule more? Um, I think we've just... The, the calendar changes each year um, just put more pressure on the teams, and it kind of just shows you the strength and of the teams with their ability to adapt um, to the requirements each year. With more and more events arriving, um, shorter turnarounds, it puts more pressure on every single person working in pit lane, but they, they, they still manage to get it done. Um, so you, you won't find another championship around the world that starts at the end of February. And, you know, last year we were racing up until mid-December. Yes. So this year is a bit shorter. You know, Newcastle round is, is, is halfway through November. Um, but it's still a tough championship to be in as a member of staff. Um, but I, I'm here because I'm, I'm enjoying the challenge. How do you go managing your personnel when you know that these these pressures are on you? And, of course, you know the pressures that you're under with family and, and balance, work-life balance, but you then have to be mindful of all the guys that are directly reporting to you in that chain of command. Yeah, exactly. And um, t- to be honest, I don't think, um, well, the, the, the crew at Nissan, they put in some serious hours. And I've worked in a few teams where they've had big pushes, but the work that these guys are doing is pretty impressive. And and uh, it's, it's opened, my, uh, opened my eyes to, to, to just a display of dedication from the whole crew. Um, the, what helps the Nissan operation is that, is that family atmosphere um, where it's a comfortable working environment they're open to, um, you know, uh, comments and suggestions from, from everybody at any level. Um, and that makes, you know, a tough championship like supercars easier to, to operate in. Well, and your uh, co-driver, you said, have a pretty good experience in the car, given that it's the same spec he's driving? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly the same spec. So um, uh, the car that Rick... Um, just raced at Darwin. We'll be going um, in a few days to Jack's Jack's teammate uh, Bryce Forward. So they're running in exactly the same specification as we are. Right. Um, well, that'll be a real uh, asset when you get the fan down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Really, really looking forward to it. So um, having 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 a co-driver like Jack, who's you know, displaying that he's a class of the field in Super 2 this year, as he was last year, yeah. but doing it in a different car, um, yeah, it just makes me excited about about the Enduro season. Is he spending time with the team at the other meetings? Or... Yeah, I mean, he's, um, he's, he's coming into the workshop a fair bit. I mean, he's quite intertwined in the team already. Right. And... Um, I was at SPR last year when he was when he was in the Dunlop series there last year, and he's he, he's he's a lot more involved this year with the Nissan program than well, he was last year at SPR. So he's showing a massive level of enthusiasm. 
and, and you know, uh, motivation to, to, to do the best job that he can. So that's, um, it, it's just going to be an asset. Yeah. And you really look at your second driver at these events too, uh, to bring that energy and the drive to, uh, to their job uh, in uh, these events. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, Jack's, uh, I think this will be his fourth year as a co-driver, so he's got good experience. Yeah. Finished fourth at Bathurst last year, um, and uh, it, yes, he's, he's he's just a class act as a co-driver, and yeah. um, and hopefully he'll be he'll be making his way into the main game in the coming years. I drive for young drivers. He's learned how to put tomato sauce on a hot dog at Bathurst because <laughs> you know um, it's it's far more than just driving around the track. to learn all the other things that are involved in uh, a six-hour race. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's just a sponge. He's soaking up everything, um, and he's always asking questions, wanting to learn more and more, and um, and improve himself. Yeah. So, um, travelling with the uh, Nissan team, it's a very large organisation. Um, you you bus it to Bathurst and and the Wintons and some of the other events. Yeah, we all get in the coach, and um, and I've I've seen the coach. In, a, in the last few years, and I was there, and, I, and, I, and when I first saw it, I was thinking, "Oh, poor guys, they're going up in that coach." But when I stepped in it, it is—it's pretty swish. I was very happy to be in it. It's got yeah. a lounge at the back and leather chairs, so I'm, I'm, ha- I'm very happy to be driven around in that coach. <laughs> and, and working where you are uh, with Nissan, which is out towards Dandenong, I can't remember the name of the suburb. Yes, but, in Brayside. In Brayside, yes, exactly. Um, um, and you're living out that sort of way, or is it a big travel? Yeah, I uh, yeah I moved further, uh, closer to to work here because um, I was north side when I was working at FPR. So um, so it, the commute is much shorter. It's a really nice part of town down here, close to the beach. Um, it's it, yeah, it's it's very comfortable down here. So. Um, Pleased with where we're at. <laughs> and are there any particular problems that you encountered with the Nissans that uh, required a mindset change for you? No, I mean, to me, the car is a, is a really good product, and yep. um, it and it what as an engineer, what you want the car to do uh, is you know it, it's got definite strengths, and it's it's. It's interesting because both myself and Jack have come from the FPR car from last year, and we're just looking at each other and talking about it and and saying how good is this? Like it's all those issues that we had last year with that car. Even though he was competitive last year, um, he doesn't. He's he's got much fewer issues um, balance wise um, with the car this year. So um, so I'm I'm happy that we've got this product. We've just got to get it in its window and consistently keep it in its window and the tyre has proved to be a challenge for us um, and you know, you're know, you adding that on top of the engineer-driver relationship that myself and Todd are still working on. Well, that's certainly uh, an interesting insight into the world of Nissan's and Kelly's with Dylan Talabani. Yet again, we uh, will uh, wish you luck. I mean, it's obviously a competitive category and you, you came here specifically to work on these cars. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks a lot for the chat.
And after the break, we'll come back with our final thoughts on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Bout Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and it's unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. Hi, I'm Dale Wood, and you're listening to Supercars Today. And Inside Supercars, our final thoughts for this week. Craig, mine is about the calendar. We've just heard that the AGP is going to be on March 22, 25, a week earlier. Now it'll be to see when the supercar calendar comes out as to whether... Adelaide remains the opening round or it gets pushed back behind it. The one thing is we need a calendar that has more continuity through the season, but a shorter season. Allow the teams to have a real break away from the sport, let those families settle and make sure that we get into that fortnightly process, which Cochrane talked about some years ago, so that people can know that in another two weeks there'll be a race on. Craig, your thoughts? My thought is I wanted to congratulate uh, Alex Rulo on getting his super licence and also just to say good on him. He made a mistake. He's copped a fine and uh, he lost his qualifying time, but he just immediately immediately threw the hand up, went to Garth, said to Garth, I am sorry, I've made a mistake and I've stuffed you up. And Garth, to his credit, went, yep, fair enough, you, you made a mistake, but uh, he didn't kick him. He didn't give him a slap along the way. He just accepted the apology and moved on. Uh, so that was good work by Garth and also for Alex. I think we've we've seen a, a real development in him. He's not at the front of the field, but neither did anyone in that team expect him to be at this stage. But to the fact that he now holds a, uh, a supercar licence, a full supercar licence, is a credit to him. And, of course, he's doing it all at the age of 17. It was remarkable because I know things I wasn't capable of doing at that age. <laughs> and that's it for this week's Inside Supercars. So thank you very much. We look forward to uh, next week. Teams will have a bit of a break now, getting ready for Townsville, and we'll have time to prepare some new questions for next week's show. Thank you. Good night from me. And good night from him. Good night. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.